Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. Praise the Lord. I sense him in this place this morning, don't you? Several weeks ago, we started on this 2020 vision for the rest of your life, and it's still fresh in January, obviously. But we talked about the fact that it's hard to have a a vision for the rest of your life without praying and connecting with God. I think a lot of us have had visions for the rest of our life without God's input. And and thank the Lord, for a lot of us, it didn't work out. Uh, For some of us, we're trying to wrestle through uh, what has worked out so far. But, and Pastor Corey, thank you. Last week was powerful. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. Some of you have told me that you've been praying and fasting this week. Some of you for the first time. Some of you have fasted before. Um, listen, I still want to encourage you. It's not too late. You can still, uh, what, what is this fasting? And Pastor Corey, again, powerfully laid it out for us. Even this week, if you just take one meal and set it aside, and you spend time in the Word, reading, and just searching, and just calling out to God. We're talking about that this morning. I promise you, and you say, well, what, what, what's one meal going to do? It'll, it'll be a lot less than you're used to eating, I guarantee it. But it's not about just eating less. It's not a diet. It's telling your body, no. There's something about when that body is craving something, and you say, no, I'm not going to get it. Okay, true confessions. Um, My wife tells me on occasion that I eat sleep. She'll just walk downstairs and I'll be just standing in the middle of the kitchen eating a bag of chips in my sleep. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. I don't believe her because I'm asleep. A few days ago, I walked downstairs and it was a box of crackers with the top ripped off sitting on the counter And there were other chips laying in the sink and all around the counters. And I was like, how did the dogs get on the counter? Because I went down in the middle of my sleep. I was embarrassed because Diane came down. That was you. That was you. Stood here and watched you do it. And I, I told her, I said, please, if you took pictures, don't post those. But here's my point. Your body tries to control you more than you think it does. And sometimes those things that we're tempted by, listen, um, we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. They're they're so, when when God tells us in his word, there's nothing you're going to face that he's not made a way of escape, you can. But you've just got to start telling your body no. Because when you can start telling, listen, it may sound silly, But when you start telling your body no to chicken, you'll be able to tell it no to sex. If you can start telling your body no to sweets, you'll be amazed at how porn won't be a problem. Now, there's no correlation between sweets and porn. It's just discipline. It's crucifying the flesh. That's why Paul said, I die every day. Now, I'm not trying to make this uh, too simplistic this morning, but let's just jump right into this. As a matter of fact, put the put the prayer up on the screen because through the rest of the series, 
I want us to memorize this. Now, many of you may have this memorized, which is part of the problem. We've got a, a little quick prayer memorized, but I don't want us to memorize this as just another prayer for us. If you already have it memorized, I want you to start thinking differently of it. If you don't have it memorized, this is a good way for us to begin learning. Because when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he was basically giving them a very basic outline. It was very common in rabbinical teaching to, to build ways for people to remember a lot of information just by giving them an outline to follow. Don't raise your hands on this, but how many will admit that sometimes, even this week when you've prayed, um, sometimes if you don't have a, a process or a goal, your prayer sometimes lasts as long as 30 seconds? Amen? And when we talk about praying, sometimes we don't even know how to take it seriously because we, we begin to pray, but we run out of stuff as soon as we run out of our problems. And it's not a negative thing. God wants to hear from us. But the reason he teaches his disciples to pray like this is not that it's just a quick prayer. It's an outline of how we can pray. And what does an outline do? It gets you focused. Gets you focused. Can, can we say this together? We're just going to quote it together. But Now listen, I want you to read this like you're at home yelling at somebody. I want you to speak it and I want you to read it and let the person next to you, you're, you're just going to say it so loud it's going to make them uncomfortable. Okay? Because I want you to say this. Can we do that? Let's say it together. Ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Forever. Amen. Amen. Now, by the end, by the end of this series, I know many of you that maybe already have it memorized. That's great. But I want all of you who don't, I want us just to have this embedded because I don't want us to think about it just as a prayer but as a focused process that gets us focused on what God is doing in our lives. Quick side note. If we're not careful, prayer begin, becomes something that we're trying to get from God. We're trying to get God persuaded. Prayer, as we'll find out, just as fasting, it never is about us getting what we want from God. It's about us finally seeing what God is doing. It's amazing how prayer and fasting begins to clear the mind. And you begin realizing all along it's not what you thought it was. You begin realizing all along God's been moving. And so this morning, I just want to start talking about the first part of this outline. Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's, it's an alignment, if you will. And we start with our Father. Now, many of you who have heard this teaching before automatically know that we start there because we always start with praise because he is worthy of our praise. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Throughout the book of Psalms, throughout his word, we know that he is worthy of our praise. But I want us to look at it from a little bit different perspective this morning. Because even though we will attempt to go to him in prayer, in praise, it's not so much that he's trying to look at us to see if he's impressed with our praise. Jesus even tells me, I, 
I hear you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. See, we've learned how to go through the calisthenics of worship. But is it authentic? And even as we get into this this morning, I'm I'm a little ahead of myself even when I say this. I think sometimes it's the phrase, our Father, messes people up. Because father issues maybe is a tough term, but we have father issues. No, no father here is perfect. Maybe your father um, was great, but he still wasn't perfect. I had an incredible dad. But, but you know, I, I come from an old school upbringing. He was good at a lot of things. And discipline was one of them. Okay? Um, I, I've been disciplined with things that are illegal at this point. Now, now, but, I, but see, I say that, and some of you have been abused physically. So when we say, let's go to the Father, the first thing in your mind is, no, thank you. Let's spend time with the Father. N- really? I'm not sure if I want to go there. Am I making sense? It, it could be that your Father didn't beat you, and I'm not trying to bring up um, poor memories to pull at your emotions this morning, but but if you had a father, he was not perfect. And, and that's just it. We try to somehow look through the lens of our past into the lens of a future, and it will never happen. That's why Paul says we have to forget the things of the past, lay down those things, and press on to the higher calling of Christ Jesus. That every man who is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, why is this important? Because the first, very first point I want to talk about this morning is that God is our Father. God is our Father. God, the creator of all things, is our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father. The, the first thing about our Father, as I want you to notice, is that it's plural. I never really thought about that a whole lot, quite honestly. But it's plural. Several different times, and just just think about this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's very, very much plural. Why? Is it a personal God we serve? Absolutely. I'll talk about that in a moment. But the reality is we're family. We need to understand we come to God, not just lifting up my personal needs. All week long, and and I'm just sharing this. I I pray we can all say this, but I promise you, I, I have been praying for all of you that I know and that are in our system all week long. And I don't mean just going by the computer. Lord, pray for everybody in the system. I've literally... Printed out our planning center. There are so many names on our planning center. And I've been trying to go in and write in all the kids' names, and it's a pain in my neck, but I'm, I'm doing it because I want to I verbally say your name. Why? Because it's our Father. It's our Father who art in heaven. Not just, Lord, it's me again. And I've got a need, and I've got a want, and 
I've got a pain, and I, I, I. Now, now we do have a personal God. As a matter of fact, if you back up a little bit in Matthew 6, he says that you, when you pray, Jesus is speaking, go into your room. And he's speaking here because we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to want to make a public spectacle of our prayer. It's okay to pray publicly, but he's saying don't, don't just pray so people will think you're a warrior. But go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father, very personal. He said, in that secret place, your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Now, I'm, I'm saying that because, yes, we have a personal relationship with God, but listen, our father, it's a very public and familial relationship. We're family. As a matter of fact, this is not just for anybody. You cannot be an unbeliever and pray the Lord's Prayer. This last, this last week, Diane and I were in Houston, Texas. Beautiful city. We were there at a wedding. And as we were there, I was invited to bless the couple. But it was one of those, and I've had many of these experiences, <laughs> when we lived in Milford, Delaware, small town, so every holiday, the mayor would come and say, please, would you please come and bless everything we're doing today? I'm like, do you know what you're asking? I'm all about community prayers, but if you're asking a Christian to pray, I just want to make sure you know and you're willing. He said, absolutely, brother. He went to my church. He said, pray it. And without fail, people would come up after the prayer and say, I appreciate what you did, but I fought for this country too. And I don't believe in Jesus. And I politely said, talk to the mayor. And just ask him, do not invite me next year. Because if I come, I will be praying as a Christian. So at this wedding, my family comes to me and they says, hey, listen, we want you to give a Christian blessing. It's a young couple. They've got all their friends. They don't go to church anywhere. But we want to make sure they are blessed. Would you do a Christian blessing over this couple? I said, absolutely. But you have to understand, most of my family from Miami are Jewish or Catholic or nada. So as we go here, this young man is marrying a young Jewish girl. Who's not, they're not practicing, just Jewish by name. They have no scripture in the wedding at all, nothing in the wedding at all. They're very, trying to keep it very universal. I'm not even sure where they found this young man who was marrying them. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, when I got up to pray, I was so mad that I was praying for God just to help me. Because they didn't even read one scripture. And I said, God, I am not going to pray for you to bless someone that we don't even have access to you without your son, Jesus Christ. But if you pray... God bless them. And the Lord just said, just pray. Now, please, I know if, if some of you are sitting here today, I totally get it when people are like, you know, there's got to be a way we can pray and keep everybody happy. There is. Just leave Jesus out of everything. Leave Jesus out of everything. You'll keep a lot of people happy. But, but, but no one will be blessed. So I very nicely prayed. In the name of Jesus Christ, the strong son of God. 
And when I turned around, walked back to where I was standing, people were still gasping for breath. You'd have thought I threw the cake at someone. So a few, a few minutes later, the husband, I mean, the, the father of the groom came up to me and he said, hey, I really appreciate that. Man, that's awesome. Thank you for a Christian blessing. I know some of my friends were a little upset about the Jesus part. And I said, let me ask you a question. How do you pray as a Christian without Christ? How exactly would that sound? And ironically, one of my Jewish cousins walked up and said, hey, don't even bother him with that. Nobody cares about that anymore. He can pray like he wants. And I'm like, and that's the other problem. <laughs> Nobody cares about it anymore. And then the husband, I'm just sharing you this because I'm telling you, and my wife can tell you, it took me a lot of driving to get the righteous indignation out of my spirit. I had to drive around the block a few times going back to the hotel. We had a wonderful weekend, but there were a few moments. Because then he said, well, one of my friends who, Jew, who was Jewish, he, he said, can't a Christian pray without mentioning Jesus? But now listen, that, please, please, please hear me out. That, number one, is our fault. And number two, it's a sign of the culture that we live in. The culture expects you to leave Jesus out. Be a Christian. Have your truth if you want it. Just don't make me a part of it. And, and by the way, it's gotten to the place where you can have your truth. I just don't want to hear about it. You have to accept my truth. I may leave Jesus out of everything. I may even decide I want to be something else, but that's none of your business. You have to accept that, but I don't want to hear about Jesus ever from you. But would you please bless the next meal? Would you please bless... Now, I'm not trying to be sarcastic when I say this. Because when we talk about going to our Father, not just anybody can pray that prayer. Jesus says, there's no way to the Father except by me. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There's a word called propitiation, which simply means we have satisfied the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. Now, when you and I go to our Father through Jesus Christ, we now have a relationship and when we talk about ourselves being the body of Christ or the family of God, it is because we really are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. We're sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. It's not just this thing, well, I'm saved and I'm trying to live right. No, you've got to, the, the first thing, here's what will keep you praying, understanding that you're a part of a family. You're a part of the family. Now prayer shouldn't be just, well, i got to get up and I've got to spend a little time praying in the morning. No, you're a part of something bigger than yourself, and you belong to a God who is all creation, has created all things, and in, in him you were created to worship him. Give him glory. Now here's Ephesians, let's just in on this a little bit. Listen to what Ephesians 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chosen him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy, without blame before him, having predestined us to adoption. Adoption. 
You were born in iniquity. That's why, listen, even when I talk, I'm going to talk more about the father, the father wound and, and different relational issues. This isn't to beat up on our dads. This isn't to make anybody feel guilty. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want you to understand the importance of where we've been, but where we are going when we go to our Father. Our Father. That there's a God that I can go to who won't let me down. There's a God through Jesus Christ that I can go to that I know that we're family. Paul also says in chapter 3, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We're family. Now look around. We're family. Right? Um, you didn't get to choose your family when you were born the first time. And through Jesus Christ, you don't get to choose it now either. Um, anyone who is in Jesus Christ is family. But here's what I found about this family. That once we're saved by grace and we're pursuing this life in Christ, it's a lot easier to love each other. Amen. Oh, pastor, you haven't been with me this week. It's, it becomes a whole lot easier to love each other, I promise you. But what am I talking about here? We, we try to view our future through the lens of our past, and we have, if I'm not making any sense, please just bear with me for a few minutes. I'll meet with you after church. But we try to view our relationship with our Father God the relationship of our earthly father. And if there's been a distance, there seems to be a distance with God. Can I just be brutally honest with you? Here's why God talks to me like a drill sergeant. Because my dad was a drill sergeant. The reason when I'm walking out my life and I, and I do something and I know it's wrong, I hear this voice, straighten up, boy. Get it right, because that's how my dad treated me. Now, my, I love my dad. My dad was a man's man. I'm telling you, my, and he was a preacher, okay? Preachers aren't perfect either. I know I've got you confused sometimes. <clears throat> but preachers are not perfect. And the reality is my dad was a man's man, but he made mistakes, guys. I, I have seen mistakes in my dad's life, and we talked about it. For a long time, we couldn't talk at all. I got married when I was 19 because I was in love. And when I told my dad at, I'm sorry, I was 18, Diane was 19. And it was so amazing when I, I was driving down the road with my dad and he was driving. <clears throat> and at 18 years old, I said, Dad, I think I'm going to ask Diane to marry, marry me. And he pulled off the road. I thought I was going to get whooped right there. But he reached over and he grabbed me, son, God bless you. When's the wedding? And I knew that was code for get out as quick as you can. <laughs> Why? Because we were so much alike, we drove each other crazy. But see, that's how dad, that's how my, my dad was just that type of driven person. But see, he was, he was also, there were times in my life where he was absent. Because he was such a driven person. He had ministry and he had career and he had opportunities. He, would, he was an entrepreneur. So even if he was pastoring a church, he had two or three different businesses going. And sometimes all I felt like I was just child labor. Now listen, this is not a wow-wow moment. This is not a feel sorry. This is every one of us have a history. 
And how we sometimes perceive God is how we perceive him through the lens of how we were brought up. And so when I get in trouble, my first inclination is not running to the Father. Have you ever thought about the Trinity like this? Most people think about the Trinity like this. God is mean. Jesus is good. And the Holy Spirit is scary. Anybody? And I'm not not even, please, Lord, the Lord knows what I'm trying to say here. I'm not making fun of, of God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. He's one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we have a tendency to think of God as this big, mean guy that we only have access to through Jesus Christ. And it's not because God is a mean God. He's a holy God. We'll talk about that in a moment. He is, we, we hallow his name. We sanctify his name. He has nothing to do with evil. So when you and I have sin in our lives or, or we are born in iniquity, there's no way we have access to God except through Jesus Christ. But we have this tendency to be taught or to think that the Father is mean So thank God for Jesus. We're trying to figure out how the Holy Spirit plays in all this. Am I making sense? Father's not mean. God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So so we have this God who is our father that I I sometimes wonder if, if I... If I don't spend time seeking him. Uh, the reason this outline plays out like it does, and I hope I'm making sense. The reason this outline plays out like it does, it wants us to start with him as the father. Because sometimes we just jump right to forgive us our debts. We jump right over him. He's our father. We jump right over thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we jump to right, Lord God, forgive me, give me, give me, give me. But there's a reason the outline plays out like it does. It gets us focused on what God is doing. Am I making sense? So God is our Father, and I just want to drive this home for a minute. He's a good God. He's a good Father. He's a good Father. He knows how to take care of His children. When I was 11 years old, The youth are out of town so I can share this this morning. I got caught shoplifting. And I had heard on the street that at that age, she didn't even call him to verify. (laughs) I heard on the street that if you get caught shoplifting, they'll just take your name, it's scary, and turn you loose. So I went in this little store with all my cousins, and we all started running, and this very large man stopped me. So he had me sitting in the office, and he said, okay, young man, let's see your two pairs of socks and candy. You know you're in trouble, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, what's your name? I said, Johnny Carson. Because I thought he was just going to let me go. And he said, okay, Mr. Carson, what's your father's number? I said, why? He said, I'm going to call him because he's going to come pick you up. I said, well, can I start over? Now that, first of all, it restarted my whole prayer life because I knew dad was coming to pick me up. And I want you to catch this. I was in need 
of deliverance. I was in need of discipline. I was in need of being rescued. And the gentleman there wasn't saying, well, how are we going to get you out of here? He was saying, give me the number of your father. Now, when I called my father, we happened to be visiting family, so we were in from out of town, so I had to find my grandmother's number, which meant now we're going public with this. But by the time Dad came to pick me up, I, I, I knew that I knew that I knew what was going to happen when I got back to the house, but I already started praying about that. But here's what happened when my dad walked in. He just said, yes, sir. He said, well, I call it your son, Mr. Johnny Carson McLeod. And here's what's happening. I just needed you to pick him up, make sure everything's okay. Thank you, officer. He's mine now. And that just, for some reason, didn't sound good to me. <laughs> but here's what happened. It's not, it's not that my dad did not let me know how wrong it was as much as he let me know the kind of trouble he got me out of. And I realized even at 11 years old, and I've always looked back at that, because I can look at a lot of negative things that happened in life, but I looked that, back at that silly little stupid decision I made and looked at a father who would pick up his son to deliver him. And I just looked back at that, and I'm like, you know, Lord, I, I pray that I can still in all of us somehow that, that we treat each other in such a way, but God, we're not perfect. How can we somehow understand that you love us with that kind of love? Because see, God's not demanding that we pray this prayer. God's not demanding that we pray because he demands that people bow down to him. No. You will bow. But God is wanting you to know that he loves you. That when we come to him and praise him, it's not out of obligation, it's out of he is worthy. And he wants us to not be fearful of running to him, but that no matter how bad or broken our past is, that through Jesus Christ there's a new beginning. And, and listen, I know some of us have been, have been coming out of, or have come out of a terrible, difficult past, but if you can just hear what I'm saying this morning, through Jesus Christ, you have a Father who loves you. And he wants you to come to him. He wants us to run to him. So, so number one, God is our Father. Number two, Satan is a liar. Because see, here's what keeps us from coming to the Father. We keep believing the lies. If we, if we don't come to the Father, it's because we're believing the lies. You're no good. You'll never measure up. You've already asked for forgiveness. Why bother him again? You're, you're never going to meet the mark. You're never going to really understand that that if you don't measure up, you're never going to make him happy. You're never going to be a success. You're never, you're never, you're never. You're always going to fail. You're always going to be a joke. You're all, am I making any sense? And see, we keep believing those until we really believe that it is true. And Satan is a liar. I want to read it to you and prove Jesus calls him the father of lies. Listen, in John chapter 8, I speak what I have seen with my father. And you do not, you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. 
And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the work of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come from myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. He goes on, he goes on to say, you are of the father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Now listen, those are strong words. You are of the father. If you do not do my words, you are the father of the devil. He says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. Now, those strong words are meant for this. Are you ready? Everything that Satan tells you and tempts you with is a lie. Everything. Everything. So when, when you're ever tempted to do something stupid, it's a lie. This will make you happy. It's a lie. Nobody will find out. It's a lie. This is good. It's not good for anybody else, but you deserve this. Lie. If it, if it does not measure up with the word of God, it is a lie. Well, Pastor, this, this, is, this is strong when Jesus is calling them that say that they are sons, that, that they are the part of their father is the father of lies, that Satan is their father. Here's what he's simply saying. He's saying, listen, if you are acting on these things, you are believing the lie. If you act on these things, you are believing the lie. Can I just tell you something this morning? A lot of our prayers would be answered if we just stopped believing the lie. A lot of our prayers would be answered. Lord, help me to have a good day. Stop believing the lie. It's better than you think. Stop, stop getting up and and thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping God will do a miracle. I want this changed. Well, if you would go to the Father and just hear my heart for a moment, if you would go to the Father, you might realize that what you've been asking for isn't really what he needs you to have right now anyway. And you make yourself miserable until you have this. And God is saying, listen, come to the Father. Don't short-circuit yourself and Try to run to the deliverance without going through the Father. Deliver us from evil. Go to the Father first. That's why when we even talk about him, we're going to pray this tonight in the, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, the, the names of God and what he represents. Je Jehovah Rapha is our healer. If you need healing, before you get in the healing line, go to the Father. If you need deliverance, go to the Father. If you need righteousness, go to the Father. How do you go to the Father? Through Jesus Christ. He's our righteousness. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our victory. He's our shepherd. If you need guidance, don't Google. I know we have all America's greatest challenge, and I say America, the westernized mentality here in America, our greatest challenge is we have access to everything. Liz read it this morning out of Revelation. You're blessed. You have need of nothing. 
See, even when I say, go to the Father, I don't need to go to the Father. I mean, I have a hard time praying because I really don't even need to pray. You know, everything's going good so far. You know, the wheels fall off and we suddenly go into prayer mode. Something happens and we go into prayer mode. We have a bad day, we go into prayer mode. But as soon as things get a little bit better, give me an amen. I'm going to keep preaching on that if you don't give me an amen. As soon as, as, soon as the marriage gets a little bit better, whew, okay, I'm going to keep doing what I want to do now. Now, this isn't about legalism. It's about God's not a candy store. He's a God. He's the God. And the reason if you need deliverance, you go to the Father is because there's a relationship there. And I go to my Father, and I know that now there's an alignment because now I'm praying for His will to be done. And suddenly when I'm praying for His will to be done, and then I'm asking for needs to be met, and then I'm asking for deliverance, it's amazing how God will continue to reflect things in my life that need to be changed too. Our Father who art in heaven. But I can't... I can't go to the Father if I keep believing the lies. Am I making sense? Let's talk about that for just a moment, and I'm going to close here. Satan will use your past every time to try to define your future. He will use your past. We've talked about this before. He will use your past every time to try to define your future. And the reality is, in so many cases, it, it doesn't have to be that way, but when you believe the lie, you'll fall right into it. I don't have, I don't have what it takes. I, I don't have what it takes to measure up. I, I can't make it another day. You'll never be loved. You'll never be forgiven. You'll never be accepted. You'll never be worthy. You'll always be addicted. You'll always be abusive. You'll always be broken. You'll always live in fear. And then people, people fall into the trap of, that's just who I am. That's why we talk about transformation around here so much. Because he is a transforming God. You don't have to stay the way you are. You can become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the moment you give your life to Christ, listen, even this morning as we pray and you come to the Father, it's not about instantaneous change. I wish there was instantaneous change. And th there are some things that God touches people and the desire is gone immediately. But for 99% of us, he's doing a work in you so he can do a work through you. That's why I've always encouraged people, do not pray for patience. That is not a quick deliverance. Amen? God will allow you to circle that mountain many, many times. It, to, to work that out in you. Why? Because he's a good, good father. He's a good father. And he knows you better than you know yourself. And, and maybe this morning, if, if I'm not making sense, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning because I, I just believe in my spirit there are some of us who are really wrestling with where we are and where we should be, and, and maybe God would accept us or God won't accept us. But let me just read this last scripture, James chapter 1 verses 13. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. I just want to show you that he's a good father. That I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And that word tempt there <clears throat> are to entice. 
couple different meanings, but, but for us when it's used, it, it means that you are drawn in to something. God doesn't draw you in to test you like that. God doesn't draw you in, well, let's see if he's gotten better at this. That's Satan. But it, it goes on to say that God cannot be tempted or enticed like that. It's a different phrasing. It, it means that God will not be tempted because God's nowhere near it. Meaning God has nothing to do with evil. A, a lot of times when evil things happen and stuff breaks down in our lives, we have a tendency to say, why did God let this happen? And we can build up this resentment against God. But listen, God did not cause those things to happen, guys. In, in many cases, let's just be real for a second. There's a lot of things that have never been our fault, and they happen to us, and we cannot do anything about it. But the reality is there are some things in our life that we just let grow little by little, and they enticed us. We thought it was interesting, so we, we hugged it a little. We got comfortable with it. And the next thing you know, we wonder why our life is falling apart. It's us. It's us. But you think God will turn you away when you finally say, God, forgive me for being stupid. Don't let pride stand in the way of your victory. Don't let trying to look good in this culture. Come on, look good in this culture? Well, who cares about looking good to people anyway? I want to be holy before God, and the only way I can do that is to go to my Father through Jesus Christ. I had to decide a long time ago that I, I can't let my past define my future, but I'm, I'm amazed at how often I'm still going to the cross saying, oh God, please forgive me. It caught up with me again. But here's what I found. I'm, I want to say I'm man enough, but here's the reality. According to the word of God, I'm childlike enough. I've become his child so much that I realize I've gotten over, I got this. I've been healed of, I'm in control of this. Uh, and I'm not saying that out of arrogance. I have, I have had to run to him, and I realize that I'm still that 11-year-old child waiting for my father to come pick up Johnny Carson McLeod. But he loves me so much. He's never failed me. Where the earthly father does, your heavenly father will never leave you or forsake you. And see, it's not, I'm almost, Emily, if you'll please come. It's, it's not so much that I'm trying to get us to understand the, the need for prayer this morning. So go home and pray as much as it is if we can once again re-embrace the fact that we have a father. A father who loves us who wants to commune with us. Who wouldn't want to talk to him every day? Who wouldn't want to spend time with the creator of the universe every day when they knew that he loved them more than anyone on this planet? Who loved them more and knew more about them and, and would love them anyway and meet them where they are to keep going and working in that work. And even if they failed, um, God would never be caught off guard. God would never be surprised but he would meet with us again. Okay, let's keep working on that. 
We sang about it this morning. <clears throat> and it's when sons and daughters and husbands and wives, and we all think we've lost hope. But as we were singing this morning, it, it just really hit my spirit in a wonderful way. God, God doesn't want us to run down here and be convicted of not praying. God wants us to once again be reminded, I love you. You know, when you read in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son finally came to his senses, the Bible says he got up and he went home. And the Bible says that his father saw him from afar off and ran to meet him, and he fell on him and began to kiss him. Now listen, we love talking about bringing the robe and bringing the ring and bringing sandals, killing the fatted calf. That, that all comes with it, but the first thing he did was love him. The first thing he did was just fall on him and love him. Why? Because that's the first thing he wants you to understand. Don't, don't try to get to the fatted calf before you know that he loves you. Don't, don't just take the robe and the ring and the sandals. Get the embrace. He loves you. Now this morning, I just want us to pray a simple prayer. But here's how I want us to close. Let's all stand together. We're, we're going to talk over the next several weeks of the importance of prayer. Next week, we're going to talk specifically on thy kingdom come, thy will be done us surrendering our wills to him. But can I tell you, if, if surrendering our wills to a God who doesn't love us, that's torture. But when I surrender my will to a God who loves me more than I could ever imagine, it's life. And I just wonder if anyone this morning just needs to be reminded of how much God loves them in spite of themselves, in spite of their failures, in spite, and, and when I ask you to come for prayer this morning, this isn't to put anybody on the spot or, or have anyone go, oh, yep, we expected them to go to the altar. You know, in truth, we all. Now, there's no room, but the reason I, I want to call anyone who's willing to come forth, we want to pray with you. But listen, there, there can be prayer groups all, all in this place today because everyone in this place needs to once again embrace and be embraced by the love of Jesus Christ of the Father. It's hard for me to wrap this up this morning. I trust that the Holy Spirit is just moving in your heart right now. And as Liz says this morning, and, and Josh um, reiterated, he, he's waiting. He's waiting. He's standing at the door. I'm just wondering if, if you'll just open that door and just sense his embrace one more time this morning. We're going to pray, and then I just want you to simply come. We're gonna, the music's going to stay right here. Uh, we may even sing this chorus a few times, but I, I just want you to come, and we'll pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I lift up every individual here this morning. Lord, I lift up those that that wrestle with that father wound. It's not to bring up old memories. It's to be delivered. And Father, we, 
we've had great fathers. Some, Lord, have been not so great. It's not about judging them. It's about understanding you are a good, good father who art in heaven. Lord, you're not wanting to condemn us. You did not come to condemn the world, but that through Jesus Christ, the world might be saved. You came to love us. And Lord, in, in our, in our twist, put you in a box and we've somehow put you on a shelf. But God, this morning, we once again, before we do anything else, our prayers and our life once again start with our Father. And Lord, I pray that, that if there's any brokenness, that we just run to you right now. Just like that prodigal God, whether we've been absent, whether we've been in sin, whether we've just been stale, whether we've just been living our life and just need to run back to you. God, for whatever reason, we come to you, but Lord, I pray that we see you running to us to experience your love one more time. Before we ask another thing, before we do anything else, we come to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please come for prayer? Let's sing this song. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. Oh, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. just to, if you're comfortable, please take the hand of the person next to you. And I just want us to pray one for another. Uh, there's some still praying at the altar. I just want us to continue in prayer. But just take the hand of the person next to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift each other up to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, there are husbands standing here today. There are wives standing here today. There are sons and daughters, moms and dads. Father, every one of us need to feel your love today. It's not about us getting a fix. It's about us experiencing your presence. It's not about behavior modification, God. It's about you meeting us where we are and helping us understand there can be a better tomorrow. Lord Jesus Christ, you came to seek and to save that which was lost. So Father, we come to you today and we, we just lift our brothers and sisters up this morning. We pray for them, Lord. We pray, God, that you would just meet them where they are. Touch marriages in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, when people have given up on things and they've given up on each other, Lord, I pray that they never give up on you. 
Lord, that they would run to you, Father, for the answers. Lord, those that are making decisions today, I pray that they go to you, Father, before they go anywhere else, go to you, Lord, for the answers. Father, those that are hurting, those that are struggling, whatever the needs may be, Father, you are our Father. We come to you, Lord Jesus. God, I just pray that you touch them right now. Minister in the name of Jesus Christ. Sons and daughters, families, Father. Whatever the needs may be in the name of Jesus Christ. Healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to be dismissed in just a minute. It's 1132. Can I have one more minute? It's 1133. Can I have one more minute? Don and I were flying to uh, Dallas, Texas several years ago. And many years ago, we taught out of school in Fresno, California. And one of the young students there had moved on to to Lee University and married a good friend of mine that I had lost contact with and just didn't even, forgot we were friends. So we were at the airport and happened to come across these two individuals and and they had gotten married and she ran over and we hugged and reintroduced us and I said man it's, it's so wonderful to see you he said where are you going I said Dallas he said what airline are you flying on I said American he said we're here pull out a card wrote something on the back of it he said go up to your gate and just tell them to call me I'm like okay yeah right whatever I looked at his card, and it said, Vice President of Operations. And he just said, it was just a number on the back. So I walked up to the counter and um, gave him the card, and I'm saying, ma'am, I'm not really sure what this means, but you're supposed to call this guy. And, of course, she looked at the card and looked at me and looked at the card and looked at me and then disappeared. When she came back, um, we, we even went on before the babies. That's a miracle right there, folks. We went on before the babies. We were in first class. They treated us like royalty. And I lost the card. Doesn't matter. We flew like royalty for that whole trip. And what am I saying? Some of you guys are missing blessings you would never understand. Just because you're not willing to trust the authority, when you go into God's presence as his child, there's this authority that you will begin to walk in. There's there's this authority, and you don't become arrogant about it at all. It's just when, when the enemy says, okay, what is this number about? You're going to find yourself in first class. Now, don't, please don't take this wrong. Don't go out of here today praying for first class tickets on an airline. Upgrade on your car. I'm not talking about that kind of blessing, but it may come. I'm talking about walking in expectation because you're walking in God's authority. Why? Because you're his child. There's just something that I believe God is speaking to someone. Start acting like your father is your father. Start acting like your father is your father. And whoever your earthly father's been, don't get stuck there anymore. Whoever your 
your earthly, however those mistakes have been made. It may not be a, a relationship from a man. It may be friends. It may be other family. Whatever it is, don't get stuck there. You have a father, our father. God, let it stick. Holy Spirit, do your work. Keep us this week. You are our God, and we are your children. And we commit, Lord, to walking out of here today, not with arrogance, but humbly admitting we're children of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.